ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Schoolyards across Australia are starting to look a little bit different. At some of the most expensive private boys' schools, some of them are opening their doors to female students for the very first time. And while the shift has seen resistance from some parents, it's fair to say it's also sparked an internal reckoning about the kind of culture those new female students will be stepping into. In 2021, Chanel Contos went public with a petition detailing thousands of testimonies of allegations of sexual assaults by private schoolboys. Although only a select amount of people go to these sort of institutions, those people disproportionately go on to run our country and make policies and run businesses that affect all of us. And the way that people are educated and socialised and how they grow up and what values are ingrained in them from a young age really does go on to completely shape the future of our whole country for better or for worse. That's Chanel Contos there. Four Corners is looking behind the scenes at one school that's preparing to make the change. Louise Milligan is the reporter of tonight's program. Uh, Louise, welcome back to Breakfast. Hi, Sally. What's this story all about? Well, as you say, it's um, it's a pretty fevered debate at the moment, this idea of boys' schools going co-educational. Um, what is often thought about in this debate is that the fact that, you know, there are these sort of issues around toxic masculinity in these boys' schools um, and how to make the boys better. But the point is that when they become co-educational, it's a minority of girls who go in at the, at the start. So you want to make sure that when they do, the culture that you put those girls in is absolutely top-notch. And the concerns that have been made to us during our investigation into the Cranbrook School, which is one of the most privileged schools in the country, is that that school is not ready um, because of its treatment of women staff. Um, and and going back to Cranbrook, I mean, just to contextualise it for listeners who aren't familiar with this school, it's in Bellevue Hill, sort of looking onto Point Piper, which in is Sydney. in mm-hmm. Sydney, exactly, which is Australia's richest real estate. This school is the alma mater of billionaires and they send their sons there. It's an incredible, incredibly privileged um, place. And, and, and as Chanel Contos says, these people go on to be the sorts of decision makers that affect the lives of the rest of us. Um, and if the culture that they are in is, is, is not really good in terms of its treatment of women, then that's a problem. What are some of the women who've taught at Cranbrook, what are they saying to you in this story? They're essentially saying, and it's, it's, it, it's, there's women who are teachers and women who are staff, they're essentially saying that there is a coterie of senior men who have treated them in a way that is problematic. Um, they, they make allegations of bullying and sexism and um, that there has been a sort of a string of women who have been managed out by these senior men. 
and that uh, when they have tried to blow the whistle on this to management of the school, it's fallen on deaf ears. They also talk about um, issues around the boys um, and their treatment of female teachers and um, and they feel that, you know, not enough has been done to address issues around the way that the boys are behaving. What sort of allegations are we talking about? You're talking about bullying. What do you mean? Uh, sometimes it's more extreme and sometimes it's more, it reminds me of Dickens' description of the Court of Chancery, it's um, being drowned by drops, you know. It's that thing of you or they um, uh, make a suggestion about how to do things, fairly procedural things, and then the focus is turned on them and then they sort of get um, into these sort of 360 review sort of situations where everything's kind of turned around on them. But we also go into some historical situations and the way that um, in in terms of abuse and the way that the Cranbrook headmaster handled those situations. Um, And I guess it's this pattern of um, not handling things that need to be handled that are extremely concerning in terms of sexual abuse. What sort of response have you had from Cranbrook School? It's pre- It's been pretty extraordinary, I have to say. Um, we gave them the usual amount of notice of the fact that we were doing this story weeks out. And I have to say, as you know, you've been a, pra- a journalist for a long time, giving weeks of notice is, is not standard practice in other parts of our industry. Um, despite that... They came back to us all guns blazing from the very get-go. Apart from the way that they have responded to us in an editorial sense, um, thinking about the broader Cranbrook community, I will say that we now have a tally of six legal threats that have been made in the lead-up to this program. I've been at Four Corners for eight years and I've never seen anything like it, um, some of those legal threats are from people who aren't even discussed in the story, who are accused of wrongdoing, who are connected in one way or another to Cranbrook. Um, I find that quite extraordinary. They haven't seen any of the program and these assumptions are being made and I do wonder whether this would have happened if we were talking about a public school in Sydney's western suburbs. What do you make of that? I think it's a very, very interesting reflection on the way that power and influence is exercised in very powerful, very wealthy parts of our country Um, and the fact that it relates to an institution which is responsible for the care and safety of children, is something that we should reflect on. This is a a very high-end private school. Why do you think this story would have ramifications for the wider sector when millions of kids are going to public schools? So this is a school which recently completed a $125 
million dollar building program. Uh, it is in receipt, nonetheless, of um, at last count $6.5 million in taxpayer funding. So there's a public interest in what it does from the get-go in relation to the taxpayer funding that goes into this institution and every private school. That is the way that our system operates and, it, it you know, we're not looking into the funding but it, from the get-go there, there is that public interest. But secondly, as Chanel Contos says and as pretty much everyone that we interviewed for this um, program says, um, these people make decisions that affect the rest of us and these boys will go on to become those people and uh, that's why this fancy school matters, you know. That's that's why it matters because um, because these are very, very powerful people in our community and they ought to be held to a high standard. Louise Milligan, thank you. Thanks so much, Sally. Getting in touch with ABCRN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.